We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the Day More NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcasts. And, yep, let's do it. Let's talk about potential Ben Simmons to Minnesota trades. First, our presenting sponsor is BetUS. And with the NBA playoffs here, BetUS is a place for you to wager. At BetUS, they have great payouts, the industry's biggest bonuses, and every bet type you could dream of. They got some Ben Simmons trade odds I'll tell you about later. You can join now by calling 1-800-69-BETUS or online at BetUS.com and get 125% sign-up bonus when you use the promo code DANE125. BetUS, you bet, you win, you get paid. So why a Ben Simmons trade? The main reason I want to talk about Ben Simmons is that I do not think it's reckless speculation. I don't. Um, I'm not saying it's likely that Ben Simmons is playing for the Timberwolves next year. What I am saying is is that it is possible or that some logic checks out here. You know, it's possible enough <laughs> that, in my opinion, it's worth chatting about for a little bit. And that's because since Gerson Rosas took over as president of basketball operations, this is the type of move he's talked about making. A big move, a trade for a talent, a trade for a star caliber player. And so for this pod, you know, I'm going to operate under the assumption that Rosas does, in fact, view Simmons as both a talent and as a star caliber player. But, you know what, to be fair, he might not. I'm sure many of you listening don't think Simmons checked those boxes. You know, that's that's where Simmons' stock is here from public perception, right? The playoffs were bad. But when I've asked around to people in the league, the executives I have talked to do still feel Simmons checks those boxes, even though it's a little bit less luxurious right now he's got a four-year 147 million dollar deal that is not the bargain it might have seemed you know a month ago but I certainly have not talked to every league executive I don't I don't know what they're all thinking there is definitely a contingency of people or teams out there who do not view Simmons as a major asset I mean one example we know is Houston right like they chose to not pursue Simmons in a James Harden trade this winter. They passed on Simmons because they did not feel Simmons was that level of star player or that, at a minimum, they thought the package they got back, the Hall of Unprotected Picks from Brooklyn, plus Victor Oladipo's expiring contract through a three-team trade, they they were more interested in that than Simmons. And Rafael Stone is Houston's general manager, who didn't want Ben Simmons, and it wouldn't be ridiculous to speculate that Rosas and Stone 
have similar views of player evaluation. I mean, they spent a decade together working together in Houston. So maybe not. Maybe Rosa's just Simmons isn't even a place to start. But I am more inclined to believe that this is the exact type of asset Rosa's would want to jump on. I mean, if we look at Rosa's pattern of behavior in the two biggest moves that he's made, I mean, they have been moves for players whose perceived value had taken recent dips. That was true with D'Angelo Russell, and that was true with Malik Beasley. Rosa's chose to pursue D'Lo under the premise that D'Lo was more the player that he was his final year in Brooklyn than the player he was in Golden State. You know, D'Lo Stock took a pretty big hit playing for the Warriors. And while D'Lo might not have been a, like a true blue all-star in Brooklyn, D'Lo was good that year, 2018-19, playing for the Nets. So what Rosa's did was rather than freaking out about how D'Lo played for the Warriors, you know, Rosa saw an opportunity to get what he thought would be a discount on Brooklyn D'Lo. You know, whether or not that was a, actually a discount is, is certainly up for debate, but that was the strategy. Again, the pattern of behavior from Rosa's. And the same thing goes for Beasley. You know, Beasley blossomed in Denver 2018-19. But during the 2019-20 season, Beasley's stock took a hit. You know, Denver got better that year, and Beasley had a smaller role. He wasn't the same guy he was in 2018-19. You, know, you can look at the stats. You can look at the minutes. It Beasley dropped off, and then he started to butt heads with people in that Denver organization. But again, Rosas viewed all of that as an opportunity. He looked at it glass half full. He believed that he was trading for 2018-19 Beasley, and he paid a 2019-20 price to acquire him. So I think you see where I'm going with this. I mean, Simmons made an All-NBA team in 2019-20 and the All-Defensive First Team that year. And now, a year later, obviously Simmons' stock has fallen. He's not still viewed as that caliber of player. But again, I, I think we know that those are the exact type of players Rosas wants to pursue. Those, he sees opportunities in that. You know, again, an opportunity provided that Simmons is the basketball archetype of player that Rosas is into. And I promise I'll get to fake trades here in a second, but I think this is the, the real questionable variable here that we don't really know, and that's you know, would Rosas actually be into Simmons the basketball player? I mean, the, <laughs> pretty straightforward, right, why people might not be into Ben Simmons. He, he can't shoot. Obviously, shooting is something Rosas has prioritized since he's been here. Again, if we're looking at pattern of behavior, he came in and Rosas pulled the strings to make sure the Wolves immediately became a team that bombed threes. It would be a little incongruent for Rosas to prioritize a wing who can't shoot. But at the same time, I point out that Rosas, he's, Rosas has pretty boldly believed in players who quote-unquote can't shoot that they can fix them. Again, Rosas might be wrong about that, but he's for sure prioritized poor shooters in the past. I mean, he drafted Culver sixth overall. He flipped the entire roster other than Kat Nakogi. So Okogi is not a shooter. He's still on the roster. And even drafting Edwards, who had some, some mechanical issues with the shot, you know, those questions Rosas was willing to take on and, and kind of believe that, that Edwards would be able to figure his shot out. Rosas obviously loves shooting, but he's also accepting of players who can't shoot if he believes they can be great elsewhere. And I think that's kind of the Culver idea. That's the Akogi idea. And Ant to some extent too. Well, I, I, I know people are very wary of Ben Simmons right now. It is, it, it is still ridiculous to think that he can't be great elsewhere. I mean, we know 
offensively. We know Simmons is elite in transition. Transition possessions by Simmons this year generated 1.635 points per possession. That's insane. Of the 63 players in the league who had over 200 possessions in transition, that 1.635 by Simmons ranked third of all those players. The Wolves are also extremely committed to playing fast. Much more than the Sixers are. The Sixers ranked 12th in pace this season. The Wolves are fifth. But the real value I see in Ben Simmons, the Timberwolves, would be in his perimeter defense. And it's, it's almost inarguable at this point that Ben Simmons is the best perimeter defender in the NBA. He just, he just is. He's a freak. That's, you know, that's the reason that he made first-team all-defense these past two years. And that type of player is valuable on any team, but it would be particularly valuable to the Wolves. You know, we often do the point-the-finger thing at Carl Anthony Towns as the main reason that the Wolves' defense has floundered these past few years. And obviously, Cat isn't blameless there, but a huge factor in the Wolves' defensive breakdown has been their inability to contain the ball handler. You know, outside of Josh Okoge and some flashes from Jaden McDaniels during the second half of the season, I mean, the Wolves have had nothing that remotely represents point-of-attack defense. I mean, go down the list. Jeff Teague, Jared Bayless, D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, Shabazz Napier. I mean, I could keep going, but you watch the games too. The Wolves have, had not, the Wolves have not been able to sit down and defend and control the ball at the point of attack. And if you put an elite point of attack defender and Ben Simmons at Minnesota's point of attack defensively, you have made Carl Anthony Towns' job as the rim protector five times easier. You know, Simmons' presence would drastically limit the situations where Cat is left in that retreating backwards position in the middle of the lane where he's deciding between stopping the ball or leaning back to take away the lob. I mean, Cat has what is now a long track record of being bad at that exact thing, a thing that Ben Simmons' presence would make just far less common. Those opportunities would happen less. I mean, we've talked a lot on here about why a Miles Turner trade might make some sense for the Wolves. And again, obviously, I'm not against that. I think that makes sense because it would upgrade the Wolves' rim protection. But the question there is, you know, now you've moved Cat to the four. Could could Cat survive at the four? I, I think maybe, but we don't we don't know. We don't know the answer to that. What we do know is that Rosas has never even wanted to try that. He's never even provided the roster pieces to make it even possible to slide Cat to the four. I mean, for the first time really ever, I mean, it was we got to see Cat at the four, kind of, when you played next to Nas Reed or Jared, Va- Jared Vanderbilt. But that even that isn't exactly a large sample. And I, I just bring that up to say that I don't think Gerson Rosa's pattern of behavior suggests he'd be the GM to go out and get a center like Turner to put next to Cat. I might want that, but I just don't. I, I would be surprised if, if that's something Rosa's would want. Obviously, the trade packages would be different for Turner versus Simmons, so it's a little apples to oranges. But generally speaking, I think Rosa's track record suggests he's more likely to pursue a Ben Simmons or a John Collins at the four than he is to pursue a true five in Turner. And that's why I think this Simmons conversation is at least somewhat responsible. If we assume all of those assumptions, let's talk about what a potential trade for Simmons would look like after a quick break. The NBA playoffs are here, and this summer's betting action is heating up with my friends over at BetUS. BetUS actually has odds set on where Ben Simmons will be traded 
if you want to bet on that, just in general, they have odds set of Simmons getting traded is, yes, minus 200. Uh, and if But that's 67%, and no is plus 150. And then they have the 10 most likely teams Simmons is to be traded to with increasing odds, starting with San Antonio and Chicago are the two they see as most likely at plus 300. And you go down the other eight teams in order of likelihood, according to BetUS, Utah, Portland, Houston, Oklahoma City, Indiana, Washington, Toronto, and Cleveland. Minnesota isn't even listed. So I guess that BetUS thinks this podcast is reckless speculation, but the odds are still there. There's also a ton of other things to bet on at BetUS, and with UFC, MLB, golf, Summer Olympics, and football season all just around the corner, you need a sportsbook with great payouts. BetUS has the industry's biggest bonuses and every type of bet type you could dream of. BetUS has been a pioneer in online betting for over 25 years and prides itself on being America's favorite sportsbook. So take advantage of this action-packed summer and sign up today at BetUS.com. That's BetUS.com or 1-800-69-BETUS. And receive a 125% sign-up bonus when you use the promo code DANE125. And if you miss tip-off or get to bet, that's no problem. At BetUS, you can bet live all the way up to the final buzzer. If you think it's too early to bet on the NFL, you can do that too. They already have week one lines live for you to bet on. Care for some blackjack. There are hundreds of games, hundreds of games in the BetUS casino. I bet at BetUS, and you should too. Join now by calling 1-800-69-BETUS or online at BetUS.com. BetUS, you bet, you win, you get paid. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. All right, if we're going to talk fake Ben Simmons Minnesota trades, let's establish two things. One, how the Wolves would have to go about matching salaries to exchange out the $33 million that Simmons is set to earn next season. Got to match salaries, right? So that's step one. And then two, let's establish right now that it will cost draft picks in addition to whatever players the Wolves are sending. If you, if you disagree with part two, let's try and pin this down. I talked to two different front office members recently about what, quote, what would it cost to trade for Ben Simmons? And the first executive, who is an Eastern Conference assistant GM, said, quote, if Cat and Ant aren't in the trade, you're giving up two first-round picks to make it happen. That was the baseline. I brought that price up to a second executive, and he said, if it's two future first, you can definitely protect those picks because... As the exec said, quote, Simmons deal isn't cheap. And I think that's an important thing we got to establish here, too, is that Ben Simmons is on, not only on a max contract, but it is not the cheapest version of a max contract. And we should probably dig into that, too. So Ben Simmons made the All-NBA team in 2019-20, which triggered in his contract um, that he his max contract is worth 28% of the cap. Because, like, Cat didn't make All-NBA going into his season before his max contract started or Delo didn't make all NBA. Those guys are on 25% of the cap maxes, which doesn't sound like a big difference, but it's, you know, it's something. I mean, bottom of the line, Simmons has four years and $147 million left on his deal, starting with 33 million next year. And that is a raise off of the normal max for a 24 year old. Comparatively, Delo has two years and $61 million left on his. So he's making 30. Obviously, you know, using D'Lo is 
it's the most obvious way for the Wolves to match salaries in the Simmons deal. But the Wolves do have other ways just to get to that $33 million while keeping D'Lo on the roster. So I want to start there. Ricky Rubio is set to make $18 million next year, and Malik Beasley is set to make 15. So magically, that's exactly $33 million right there. So we got a match. We have the theoretical financial starting point, Rubio and Beasley for Simmons. The question under this, and we'll do other ones, under this alignment is how many picks would need to be attached to make that attractive to Philly. And again, as the assistant GM told me, we're looking at at least two future firsts here. You know, how far those picks are into the future, how protected they are, uh, that, that makes a difference on what that asset value is. And it's also worth noting that this isn't exactly the Wolves' best player framework that they could throw out. So I wouldn't be surprised if it's, you know, two better first-round picks. Plus, maybe Philly is even trying to dig in and pull a Josh Akogi or even a, a Jaden McDaniels into the trade. Some of the other roster assets that the Wolves have. But more than anything, under this Rubio-Beasley framework, I think it's important to think about Philly's perspective here. Like, we can't just think about this from the Wolves. We have to ask ourselves, why would Philly do this? What do Rubio and Beasley mean to Philly? Because the Sixers are they're trying to win next year. Why not just dump in Ben Simmons? And, and you know, no matter how you slice it, Ben Simmons to Malik Beasley and Ricky Rubio is a talent dip. So I would say any Rubio for Ben Simmons trade would be contingent on Philly being able to use those extra picks that they're going to get in the deal to turn them into another immediately impactful player. Can Philly turn Rubio plus one or both of those picks into a sign-and-trade for Kyle Lowry? I don't know. There, I can see some logic there. Lowry from Philly, you know, Rubio in Toronto, I, I could that makes some sense to me too. But to even start considering this path, the Kyle Lowry thing pretty much has to happen for Philly. And we don't, I mean, the answer to that has to be yes. If it's not, I, I don't see how Philly even starts considering a Rubio and Beasley path. I mean, yes, the Sixers will need a point guard to replace Simmons. Rubio is a point guard, but he's not a good fit there. I mean, if we watched the Sixers in the playoffs, you know... Philly needs their point guard to be able to create from the perimeter. And that's creating shots, not just creating passes. And, and Rubio doesn't check that box. Now, Beasley, Beasley would be a nice fit for the Sixers. The, the assistant GM said, you know, quote, Beasley would be awesome in Philly, even if, the, even if his money isn't great. So speaking very generally, if you're trying to put together a Rubio and Beasley for Simmons package, you know, know that you got to be ready to pay multiple picks to do so on top of them. I know that you also probably got to be able to find a third team to make a three-team trade so that Philly can turn those Minnesota draft assets into an immediate impact player like Kyle Lowry or like somebody else. And that's easier said than done. We, we, don't, we don't know how anybody feels about Rubio at $18 million. I mean, he's expiring, sure. And then Malik Beasley, like, there's plenty of reasons to like Malik Beasley, but he's in jail right now. So... Generally speaking, I think we got to temper our expectations about the feasibility of this framework of a move because there's a lot of question marks. Now, if we move on to Russell, you know, if, if Philly can't turn that package into a point guard that they believe in, you know, the next, the next place dealing with the Wolves that they're likely to look is D'Angelo Russell. And D'Lo, in ways, is his own can of worms. I mean, two years, $61.4 million left on his contract. It's not great. D'Lo played well, though, once he returned from injury last year. That's definitely helped his perception some. But teams 
I mean, bottom line, teams aren't banging down the Wolves' door to pay D'Lo $30 million a year. And But at the same time, like, D'Lo would be a pretty good fit in Philly. He is, you know, on paper, he is that perimeter option who, you know, he would create. He could create for them. He could create shots, and he could create passes. I don't hate the D'Lo from Philly's perspective. I don't, I don't hate that fit there. But again, as the GM said, you know, if it's not Cat or Ant in the deal... Still, you, no matter what it is, you've got to expect to be giving up multiple picks. So the question here with D'Lo is, where would Russell plus two protected firsts get you? Again, if you're Philly, those picks are a lot more attractive if you have a way to turn them into another impact player now. In this framework, if you're Philly, now you've got your point guard in D'Lo, so that Kyle Lowry move doesn't necessarily make sense. Is that a, you know, Does that cut it off? Are they already playing? Is Kyle Lowry happening? Does that ruin this whole thing? I don't know, maybe not. If we can keep going down that path, could Philly take one or both of those picks, tack them onto George Hill, upgrade another spot on the roster? I mean, Hill is under contract for a non-guaranteed $10 million next year. What does Hill plus a pick or two get you? I know this starts to sound attractive, but the one thing we haven't brought up is money. And you got to caution with Philly that they just can't be pouring salary on top of what they already got, they're one of the most expensive teams in the league. And trading Hill and picks for another player that costs more than $10 million, you're adding on money that they can't really navigate while staying under the hard cap. For this reason, that's why I think Philly would try and get that player, the George Hill thing, from Minnesota. And that player, again, would pretty much have to be Malik Beasley. So we're talking D'Lo and Beasley for Simmons. I mean, that's theoretically a pretty attractive package, particularly if Philly is also getting a future first or two on top of that. That seems like the quote-unquote most fair package. But even if here we are at a fair package for both sides, depending on what the picks are, D'Lo and Beasley are a $45 million cap hit. Remember, D'Lo 30, Beasley 15. Well, Simmons is still only 33, so so now Philly's taking on $12 million more in that deal. One, that just doesn't lie, doesn't legally work. But two, they can't afford to be taking back extra money. I mean, yeah, so now George Hill seems like a logical filler here. Let's just patch that hole. But the catch is that Hill's contract is non-guaranteed. Which means we still have Philly launching themselves into the tax by making this move, by swapping out a non-guaranteed money for guaranteed money. And if they're going to operate below the hard cap, that really, really complicates things. So even on this fair path, it's, it's, it's tricky. My guess would be that Philly would then need to involve a third team or make a separate move altogether to get another team to take on Tobias Harris's contract. And Tobias Harris makes more money than Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. Harris has three years and $113 million left on his deal. Is there a way that Philly could turn Harris into an equally effective you know, Harris makes like 36. Could they turn him into a $25 million player with a team who has financial flexibility? It kind of feels like that would be a must to do this. But again, pretty complicated. So we're setting up a lot of pretty complicated, even in the framework of something that, quote unquote, makes sense. Now, that said, if there are two front offices that I could see finagling a complicated, expensive three-team trade, it would be Daryl Morey and his 76ers and Gerson Rosas and the Timberwolves. Theoretically, those two still have a friendship. Rosas and Mori would, you know, that would be helpful there in making that happen. 
But that doesn't mean it's not still complicated. Plus, there's still the potential flies in the ointment. Again, we don't know if Rosas is actually enamored by Simmons. And that's basically a starting point here is Rosas being enamored in Simmons even start all this. And does more even like D'Angelo Russell and Malik Beasley. I, I know plenty of executives around the league who are cold on both of those guys. I mean, in a weird way, D'Lo and Beasley are kind of similar to Simmons in that perception sort of thing. There are, there are some front offices out there who would love Ben Simmons on their team. And there are other front offices who want nothing to do with him. Same goes for D'Lo and his kind of unproven track record. And the same goes for Beasley, who's played well but has these legal concerns that cloud that whole situation. That said, you know, I'm, I'm tampering this down, but I, I really don't. I don't think this is regular speculation. It, it is complicated. It sounds complicated. But if the Wolves do like Simmons are, and are willing to part with players that they like, they like D'Lo, they like Beasley, they like Rubio, if they're willing to part with them, it is possible to make a deal happen, in theory, provided they're also willing to give up a chunk of draft capital. They have all of their picks going forward, first-round picks. So they have that capital to use if they want. And I've long said that I expect the 2021 offseason to be the time where Rosa starts putting his chips in the middle to make a move. Trading for Ben Simmons would be that talent play he's talked about. The type of talent play Rosas has been talking about for years. And if you're a believer like I am that acquiring Russell and Beasley back when they did it was at least in part about being an asset play all along, well, I think there were players who were acquired with an eye toward flipping them for upgrades down the line. And if that's what's happening here, then you know that that logic really starts to click. It, ch- it checks out a little bit. It might not be reckless speculation, but it is definitely speculation. There are so many variables in this equation that we don't know at all. But now that we know that the Wolves do not have their pick next month in the draft, we can focus on this path. You know, it was always, well, if they get the top three pick, now that opens up this whole different spider web of things we can do. Well, that's not there. This is the roster. You got Cat, D'Lo, Ant, Beasley, McDaniels, and you got to improve it. It's a roster that needs to up its talent and improve its defense if they're going to have playoff aspirations next year. And Ben Simmons would do that, even with all of his flaws. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm fascinated to see what Gerson Rosas and company do this summer. The Wolves may not have any draft picks. They may have no cap space, but I would still be, I'd still be shocked if they sat on their hands this summer. We will see. That's all I got for you for this episode. I'll be back with Jake Painting this weekend to deliver uh, the Leandro Balmaro, Leandro Balmaro pod that I've been talking about doing. Jake just wrote a great piece on Balmaro over at Canis Hoopus, and he and I will chat about that this weekend And then um, just to close out, finally, just without getting too sappy, I just want to say thanks to all of you who came out to the live show for the lottery. It was it was awesome. I mean, we knew this, right? We knew there were people out there who cared. And uh, and Tuesday (laughs) coming to watch a 27 percent chance possibly happening. I mean, you all coming to that proved that there's there's people out there. Um, It was it was cool to meet. I feel like I met hundreds of you and uh, really just made it clear to me that we got to do that again. And also, if you're out of state, couldn't attend the event for some reason or another, sorry, there's no recording. It was just, it was so loud there um, <laughs> that that the, the recording just, that didn't really work out. Um, I'm not even sure how many people who were there could even hear Britt and I. So because of that, Britt and I will be back to record another pod 
next week and we'll get into nothing's changed <laughs> you know we got the same lottery topics um we've got the we got ben simmons we got Collins, we got turner we can we can talk about all those things um you know that that's where we're at going into the offseason because we know the wolves don't have the pick so jake this weekend Britt next week until then i'm dane talk to you soon peace out how i'm feeling man i hope it never stop yeah green and hot so you can find me in the crowd yeah yeah don't let standards ever ever bring you down If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC.